God, thank you that you are so good. Thank you that we can come to you, that you are like a father to us. And God, thank you for um, this chance to take a deep breath and, and just remember your goodness. Remember our peace in the story, that you're a good, good father and that we are loved by you. It's sometimes hard to remember that in the midst of uh, the trouble that we see around us, the darkness or the, the guilt that we feel within us. God, remind us this morning, even in these moments, that you are a good God, a good Father to us, and that we are loved by you. And God, help us to uh, be a people who doesn't keep that to ourselves, that we would love those around us as you love us. And I pray that uh, as we spend time this morning, as we hear from your word, uh, that we would just be overwhelmed with, uh, with your spirit, that we would be moved to, um, to follow you more closely this week. And, uh, and I pray, God, that, uh, that you would enable us to do that. So speak to us, God. Thank you for this time. Thank you for gathering us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, you may have a seat and uh, as you do, please uh, welcome uh, our pastor of Dis- adult discipleship, Brent Watson. Thank you. Thanks, Brett. So it's a great worship set. Uh, thanks, Brett. You guys were awesome. And it really sets us up to talk about uh, what we're going to today because the reminder that God is good is super important uh, Like what we're going to do. So uh, we are actually nearing the end of our series on taking next steps to follow Jesus. I think we've got a couple more messages left. And if you've been following us for the last six weeks or so, you'll know that we've been talking about a set of spiritual practices that, if we apply them well, uh, will allow us to actually become more like Jesus. And the idea that we've been talking about is if we can do the things that Jesus did while he walked the earth, then we, bec- we can become the kind of person that Jesus is, Okay. So, uh, this morning, we want to look at the practice of sharing Jesus with others. Probably the most famous passage, or often used passage, to talk about sharing our faith with others is found at the end of uh, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 28. And after his resurrection from the dead, Jesus has told his disciples to meet him in a northern uh, town of, in Israel called Galilee, a northern area. Uh, and in verse 16 of chapter 28, we read this. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus' last words to his closest followers were that they were to go out into the world and tell others about how they could follow Jesus as well. I think when most of us uh, read this command in the scriptures, we really hope that it was only intended for those 11 guys that Jesus was talking to, right? Uh, Or at least for somebody else, but not for us. And I understand that. Uh, But the thing is, I, I think this command does apply to us, and there's a number of reasons. So let me give you a couple. First, uh, I don't think that all 11 of the guys that he was talking to that day were necessarily gifted spiritually in telling others about Jesus. 
Uh, as you read through the book of Acts, it's very clear that at least a couple of them were very gifted in that, and it, the book sort of chronicles their efforts to take the good news of Jesus to the, their world of that day. Uh, but the, the other 11 or 9 or so guys, uh, they, they had a role in that process, but I don't know that that was necessarily their gift. And so the point is that you don't have to be gifted to have this command apply to you. There's certainly, Jesus gave it to all the guys that were standing there that day. He didn't just single out a few of them. He said to all of them, this is what I want you to, to be a part of. Uh, secondly, this particular command of Jesus exists in the greater context of his invitation to follow him. Uh, Jesus may have begun his ministry with an invite to certain people to follow him and, and enter into his life and his work. And it may have ended with his command to go tell others about how to follow him. But the command and the call are not disconnected. They're part of the same thing. And if we see the command outside the context of this greater invitation to follow Jesus, then we're missing the big picture. The invitation to follow Jesus includes this command. And so if we're going to respond to the invitation to follow him, then we have to not just take the parts of it that we like. We have to take the whole thing. And so that's included. Uh, lastly, uh, telling others about who Jesus is is supposed to be a natural part of who we are as Jesus followers. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So as we grow in our relationship with Christ, as we become more like Jesus, uh, we're going to begin reflecting his character to the world around us more and more. And that's a reality. As, as we grow, that's going to happen. But the question is, are we going to let others see that or not? Well, here at New Cove, uh, we've identified at least three components that we think are really helpful in sharing Jesus with others. And there's probably more, uh, but we found that these are, are super helpful. And each of these probably could be a sermon in and of themselves. Uh, so I'm just going to give you the brief flyover today. But my hope is that you'll get a, a broad picture of what it could look like to share Jesus in the context that God has you, and maybe even uh, come up with a specific next step that God might have you take. So uh, the first component of sharing Jesus is to love your neighbor. Uh, we're very intentional about choosing this piece uh, as one of the first parts of sharing Jesus because we really believe uh, that communicating the, the message of Jesus happens best in an existing relationship. Uh, now, I know there's exceptions to that rule. It's, it's not always the case. But for the most part, uh, especially in today's culture, it seems like we have to earn the right to talk about Jesus with others by first developing a genuine, authentic relationship with people beforehand. Um, it's interesting, as, as connected as we are in today's culture with all our devices and social media, this and that, uh, there still seems to be this cultural narrative that in order to be a good neighbor, you have to leave your neighbors alone, uh, <laughs> right? Somehow, uh, respecting other people's privacy has become the, the benchmark for whether or not you're a good neighbor. And while I do think that other people's privacy is important, it wasn't necessarily Jesus' pattern of life to leave people alone. He was regularly entering into relationships with others. Uh, <clears throat> in Luke 10, uh, we read about an interaction that Jesus has with a religious leader uh, that sort of bears this whole thing out. 
And this story, I think, will be familiar even to people who maybe don't attend church on a regular basis. Uh, So in Luke 10, verse 25, we read this. On one occasion, an expert of the law, who was a Jewish religious leader, uh, stood up to test Jesus as he was teaching. Uh, Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? Which, by the way, is classic Jesus. He's answering a question with a question. He did that regularly. Uh, And the man answers, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, He's actually quoting a passage from the Old Testament here to Jesus. Uh, Jesus says, well, you've answered correctly. Go do this, and you will live. But the man wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Now, what's going on here is that the religious leader, he wants to know exactly who it is that he's required to love and who he can withhold his love from. Okay, that's, that's what he's asking. To respond to that, uh, Jesus tells a story. We pick up in verse 30. Uh, in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, who was a religious leader uh, in Israel at the time, happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Uh, So too, a Levite, who was a worker in the temple in Jerusalem, uh, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who was part of an ethnic group that was only half Jewish and half mix of a bunch of other religions and was really looked down upon by the Jewish people, uh, as he traveled, he came to the, where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, which was equivalent to two days' wages, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you have. And then Jesus asked the man, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now here's what's amazing. What Jesus did by telling that story is he gave us a better question. Okay? Instead of asking, who are we required to love, which was the question that the religious leader had, he wants us to ask, how can I show neighborly love to the people that God puts in my path? Let me say that again. Instead of asking, who am I required to love, we should be asking, how can I show neighborly love to the people that God has put in my path? Now, those people he's put in your path, uh, they might seem like random folks, like the man in the story, but they could also be your actual neighbors, or your co-workers, or the students that you go to class with. So the question is, what would it look like to show neighborly love to those people who are right around us all the time? Uh, It could begin with learning their names. Uh, When someone goes from being the guy in the corner who never rakes his leaves, or the woman in the cubicle next to me that has way too many cat pictures. Uh, When someone goes from being that description to Bob or Sue, all of a sudden something changes, right? They become people with a story, and we find ourselves wanting to be more compassionate towards them, and maybe even wanting to get to know them. 
Uh, part of what that's looked like for my wife and I is getting involved in organizations that are connected to our neighborhood. Uh, for the last number of years, Jenny has served as uh, the president of our neighborhood association, and currently I'm on the board of our neighborhood pool. And we joined both of those organizations uh, for a number of reasons, but one of the main ones was we want to put ourselves in a place where we could meet new people and see if God might not develop relationships that he would use to bless others. Uh, at times that process has seemed a little on the slow side, but over the years, uh, we've had the opportunity to come alongside other families when they've experienced the loss of a loved one, uh, when another guy experienced the loss of a job, uh, as well as walking with someone who went through a really difficult health uh, situation. And in each of those cases, uh, because the relationship already existed, when the time seemed appropriate, we were able to share about our relationship with Jesus with those folks. And the surprising part is that none of those people have stopped being friends with us because we talked about our relationship with Jesus for them, uh, with them. It didn't affect things. In fact, in many cases, it was a real blessing to them. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I don't know what that looks like uh, for each of you. Uh, Think about loving the neighbors around you. Uh, again, maybe it's learning their names, or maybe it's putting yourself in a place where you can develop new relationships. Um, maybe, now that the weather's turning nice, it means firing up the grill and inviting somebody that you don't know very well into your backyard to share a meal together and get to know them a little bit. Uh, you're going to have to ask God what that looks like for you, but my guess is he has something in mind for each of us. Uh, one great way to grow in loving your neighbors uh, is to join a Place for a Purpose group. And starting the week after Easter, uh, a number of our small groups will be working through a six-week study called Placed for a Purpose. And the study does a great job of setting up a biblical example uh, or foundation for uh, loving our neighbors, but it also gives some really practical examples of what that can look like in your own situation. So I'd encourage you to, to join one of those. If that's not something that you're ready for, uh, we have a number of great resources on the Share Jesus page of our website, uh, newcupchurch.org, where uh, you can check out uh, links to a bunch of different sites that will give you really practical tips on how to love your neighbors. So I encourage you to, to check those out. All right, so that's loving your neighbors. The second component of sharing Jesus is telling our story, uh, the story of God's work in our lives. Uh, the message of the good news of Jesus that the first followers of Christ shared with their world was not just a set of propositional truths or historical facts. Uh, it was both of those things, but it was also their personal experience of Jesus and how he had changed their lives. Um, and actually, we get an example of this in Acts chapter 5, and there's multiple examples of this throughout the book of Acts, but uh, in Acts 5, Peter and the other of the disciples who were with him, uh, they've just been arrested for teaching about Jesus in the city of Jerusalem. And the religious leaders, they're a little on the upset side. They're angry because they want to know why these guys have defied their, uh, their rule that you can't teach about Jesus anymore. So they asked him about this, and in Acts 5, 29, uh, it says, Peter replied with the other apostles, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. Here's the important bit. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. 
Uh, there's a similar example, example earlier in chapter 3 of Acts. Uh, and in both cases, Peter and those who are with him, they're not just talking about historical realities. They are, but they're also talking about their personal experience with the resurrected Jesus. Now, obviously, uh, none of us can claim to be eyewitnesses to the bodily resurrection of Jesus, uh, and that's okay. But we all do have our own stories of how Jesus has changed our lives in one way or another. Uh, in today's culture, uh, we're going to find that people might want to argue with the historical reliability of the Christian faith. But it's really hard to argue with your personal story of how Jesus has impacted you. Uh, as a side note, I do think that the Christian faith is completely historical, reliable, historically reliable. Um, blah, 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 and that's not something that we need to worry about. Uh, it's just a, it's a reality. But, but the thing is that our stories that we have with how Jesus has affected us is not something that another person can disprove. They can't tell you it didn't happen. Um, now, your story might not be the thing that necessarily convinces somebody that they should follow Jesus today, but I do think that God uses our stories in the process to help soften the hearts and minds of others and make them more open to hearing the story of Jesus with a more open mind. Um, <clears throat> so learning to briefly tell our story about how Jesus has worked in our lives is a really helpful tool uh, when it comes to sharing Jesus with others. But at some point, we're going to want to actually tell the story of Jesus to others and how they can follow him too. Uh, again, there's a ton of good resources out there about how you can do that. Uh, one of the tools that we at New Cubs have uh, recommended over the years is the Three Circles Conversation Guide. And it does a great job of very briefly uh, giving the story of uh, God's original design for the world, how that's been broken in the lives of people because of sin, and how God's design can be restored because of the goodness of Jesus. And uh, we really like this tool because it's very conversational. Uh, and also, uh, once you get a handle on the idea of God's design, man's brokenness, uh, and, and the fact that that brokenness can be healed and restored through the good news of Jesus, then you can start a conversation with anybody from any one of those three points, uh, however the conversation seems to be going. Uh, and it's, like I said, it's just a great way to guide a conversation. So uh, there's, a, there's a link to uh, that resource on our website, again, on the Share Jesus page. You can also download that guide to an app on your phone or smart device, and we have links to do that on our webpage. You can download it uh, and carry it with you wherever you go. Uh, our hope is that later this year, uh, we're going to offer a seminar or a workshop on how to tell your own story of how Jesus has been at work in your life and uh, how to use the Three Circles Conversation Guide as a tool uh, to talk with others about Jesus. So, so keep your ears open uh, for that as we announce it later this year. All right, so uh, we've looked at loving our neighbors and telling our story. And lastly, uh, the third component of sharing Jesus is what we call going to the world. And that could be across the street or it could be the other side of the planet. Uh, at the beginning of the book of Acts, Luke, the author, uh, tells about how Jesus spent time with his followers after he was raised from the dead, uh, convincing them that he was alive again uh, and teaching them about the kingdom of God. And before he sent them out into the world to tell others about himself, he told them that they were to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came upon them. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we read these words of Jesus. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and 
to the ends of the earth. Uh, now to give you a picture of what Jesus is talking about here, because most of us don't just, just keep ancient Israeli geography in our head, uh, we've got a map, um, and hopefully as that goes up, what you'll see, uh, you'll find Jerusalem, it's just to the left or the west uh, of the top of the Dead Sea, it's that body of water there. Uh, and that's where Jesus tells his followers to start sharing him with other people. But then he talks about uh, Judea and Samaria. And you'll notice these are larger areas uh, surrounding Jerusalem to both the south and the north. And so the idea here is that even though there's a starting point, there's supposed to be movement outward. And then later, uh, Jesus says that they're to go to the ends of the earth. Or maybe in more modern language, we're to go to the rest of the world. Now, the important bit here is I like that Jesus didn't start with the ends of the earth. He started with Jerusalem. He started with right where his followers were. He wanted them to start where they were with the relationships they had. And I think this is the same thing that he wants for us. Uh, He wants us to start in our own Jerusalem, if you will, Uh, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in the schools that we attend. That's where he wants us to begin sharing Jesus. But I think he also wants us to be not just open to, but also looking for uh, opportunities to go to the rest of the world, uh, to move out from our beginning point. Um, And maybe that is another people group in in our community. Maybe it's another area uh, surrounding where we live that God has given you a heart for. Or maybe uh, it's the other side of the world. We don't know. One great way to go to the world right here uh, in the city of Lincoln uh, is by connecting with an organization called International Student Fellowship. Uh, International Student Fellowship is an organization that reaches out to college students from all over the world who've come to study here in Lincoln. Uh, And it's a great opportunity to build relationships with students from another part of the world uh, with the hope that you'll get to share your relationship with Jesus with them. Uh, Ron and Judy Spaulding, who are members here, they've headed up this ministry for years, and it's a great opportunity uh, to go to the other parts of the world without actually leaving town. You can do it right here in Lincoln. Uh, Another way to do that would be to join one of our teams uh, to Central Asia. Uh, A couple years ago, we started partnering with some Central Asian Christians to take the good news of Jesus to the Persian people, Uh, and it was really a great experience when we went. Uh, We have not had the opportunity to go the last two springs because of the pandemic, Uh, But we fully plan on sending a team next spring in 2022, and we announce that later this fall, if that's something that maybe God would lay on your heart to be a part of, uh, keep your ears open. We'd love to have you be a part of that. Like I mentioned, uh, each of these three components, uh, loving our neighbors, telling our story, and going to the world, could have been a message in and of themselves. But my hope uh, is that they've given you at least a starting point to think about what sharing Jesus could look like uh, for you. I know uh, for each of us, God might say something different, and and maybe today he's even got a specific step that he wants you to take uh, as you grow in your ability to share Jesus with those around us. Uh, I know when we talk about this, that sharing Jesus uh, can be a scary or intimidating thing at times, but I don't want us to forget that it's also a really important part of forming us spiritually and making us more like Jesus. Sharing Jesus with others, it puts us in a place where we're uncomfortable and we have to trust God, which is always a good thing for us. Uh, It helps us learn that our ultimate source of value comes from who God says we are and not what others think about us. Uh, It gives us the opportunity to partner with Jesus in the work that he's already doing in the world. It's a great way to do one of the things that Jesus did so we can be like he is. 
uh, and it reminds us of God's own work in our lives. And that, I think, builds our relationships with him and helps us to go deeper in our walks with him. So there's plenty of benefits to, to sharing Jesus with others. Uh, your Bible reading plan for this week, which you'll find on the uh, Sunday Extras page on our website, uh, is all about beginning uh, to love your neighbors and the people that God has put around you. So I encourage you to, to find that and, and read along with us this week. Uh, and I think that's it for this morning. So uh, let me pray for us, and then we've got a couple other things this morning. Father God, thank you uh, so much, first, uh, for your son Jesus and who he is, uh, what he did, and living and walking this earth and showing us what you're like, uh, dying on the cross for our sins and rising from the dead uh, to show us that you have defeated uh, sin and death once and for all and that we can have a relationship with you. Uh, Father, even though this uh, command that we talked about this morning, to share him with others, uh, can seem intimidating at times, we're grateful that you've given it to us because it helps us to trust you uh, and it gives us an opportunity to see you work in ways that maybe we wouldn't before. Uh, Father, I pray for myself and for all my friends who are here this morning, uh, for those who have joined us online. God, that you would help us to know what the next step is that you want us to take in loving our neighbors and the people that you put around us, sharing our story, and, and going to the world, whatever that can look like. God, we want to trust that you will lead us as we do that. And we thank you that, Jesus, you have promised to be with us in that very task. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Uh, thanks all this morning. Uh, this is the time of the service where we encourage you to give uh, to New Cove. When you do that, uh, it allows us to do just what we're talking about this morning, to take the good news of Jesus to people who haven't heard yet, whether that's here in Lincoln uh, or around the world. So this is the time where you can give. Thanks.